0: Nation, welcome to episode 26, Casa O Rafa, of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, of course, as every week, the Mr. Mike Agostinho. How is everyone doing this week? Uh, another another Saturday, another win for Benfica. Uh, that's three consecutive wins in all official competitions this season. Um... Two in the Liga, obviously, as this was match day two. Six points for Benfica at the top of the table tonight. Um, going into the third week of the season. Jornada Trish starting today, I believe. Um, at the end of the episode, of course, we'll have a live up to the minute uh, report on the standings as they, as they will be at the end of the day today. It is, like I said, Friday, and it is... August the 23rd, and we are one day away right now, 24 hours or so away from the Clásico. Sport Lisboa Benfica, Football Club del Puerto. That's right, tomorrow, Stadio de Luz, Puerto comes in. And Benfica with a golden opportunity tomorrow to uh, widen the gap and to really, really put Porto and Sergio Conceição under immense pressure. Um, we'll have a preview of that at the end of the episode tonight. The very last segment, we will preview that. We also have some listener feedback at the end, so you'll want to stay tuned till the very end because I've got some feedback from uh, from Neil, who is of course the the super fan of Be- all Benfica themed podcasts. I got some feedback from him this week in my Instagram. Direct messages, and I will address his questions at the end of the episode, of course. And um, we'll talk also um, real briefly about the state of the pitch at the Jean Of course, Benfica 2 0 victory over Code City. I will not call them Boulogne, okay? Sad if you want, but out of respect to the real Bulenisz, I am not going to call this imposter team that. Um, nothing against, obviously, the players or the coaches or the staff, but this is not Bulenisz. This is this is a a team with no club. This is uh, that's why I would call them Code City, the Code City Blues, if you will. Um, and uh, that pitch pitch was. Quite dreadful, um, you know, and I don't like the idea of league matches being played in the Jambord anyway, um, it takes, it really takes away from the, the special occasion of the, the, the cup final being played in the Stadio Nacional, uh, interestingly enough, those of you, if you listen to Historia Gloriosa, okay, at the very tail end of this week's episode, they finally got out episode 3 this week, um, fantastic as always of course like I said that's becoming my favorite podcast I mean I just love learning about the early days of Benfica, the days that I couldn't obviously be here for considering how far back they started this week's episode went from 1935 to 1944 so it ended off and 1944 was of course the year that the Estadio Nacional the National Stadium at Jamur was inaugurated it was inaugurated by none other than um the, the dictator, Salazar, he was he inaugurated the stadium in 1944 on June 10th, which we now celebrate as Dia de Portugal in those days called Dia de, do Imperio, uh, the day of the empire in those days. Um, the National Stadium was was inaugurated, and I actually went to YouTube yesterday and I watched. There's actually some footage of the inauguration. If you put it in Portuguese, inauguração do Estádio Nacional. Um, if you go into a, a Google Translator and just type in inauguration, uh, National Stadium, that it'll it'll spell it out for you. Then copy and paste that translation into your YouTube search, and you will it will come up with black and white video. Of the inauguration of that stadium, um, at, at the time, top of the line, you know, best there was in the Iberian Peninsula, best there was really in Europe. At times, that stadium actually hosted a European Cup final, what we today call the Champions League. And of course, it is the home of the famous Lisbon Lions, the Celtic uh, Football Club, that won the European Cup and was the first nation to take it from the Latin countries. Um, and bring it to Britain. So that stadium has history. Unfortunately, there's been very little improvements made on it since 1944. And of course, the way it's built it's it's very hard to do any updates, any any upgrades. It was very hard to put in the chairs like they did years ago and to install the floodlights. But um it The pitch, there's no excuse for that. I know that it's only worked on for, the, the commentators explained, it's worked on for about two months before the cup final to prepare for the cup final, and that's about it. It used to be the home stadium of the national team. I would like to see the federation uh, invest in either, I'm about to get uh, disowned by some real traditionalists, but Either build a new stadium, a new national stadium, or, or bring that one up to par so that the national team can play their games there. And then we don't have any more arguing between the clubs about who which stadium the national team uses and whose they prefer and who they help out and which club has preferential treatment from the federation and all that nonsense. Um, I would like to see that stadium upgraded, um, bring it up to date, modernize it, and... Um, If that means building a new one, well, it is a nice old stadium, so it's a tough decision to make. But I wish they would make a decision one way or the other. And um, I don't like to see club teams playing there, quite honestly. If it's the national stadium, why is a club team using it as a home field? I understand they were kicked out of their own field, but that's their own doing. All right. um, The Saad, you know, the sad were removed from the club and... You know, they. it's no one else's problem if they don't have a field. And if they're going to rent the, the national stadium, they it should be brought up to the standards of the league. And, you know, the pitch was, was very hard. You could see it. It was very dry. Um, Bruno Laje even said, it looks nice and green and pretty, but it's not very good for a football match. And um, it was clear. The ball was bouncing everywhere and really... This Code City team is a real embarrassment to the Ligonage. Not so much on the field. I think they're a pretty good side on the field. They got some good players. They got a good coach. But just their existence and what's going on with the, that club is an embarrassment on Portuguese football, in my opinion. They don't have a home. They don't have any fans. They have a few fans. They had a little bit of a clock. But they got a home match with, I don't know, 18,000 fans. And. According to the commentator on RTP, about 13,000 were Benfica fans. I think it was much more than that. Um, I think there was it was close to a 99% Benfica crowd at the Jamur. And even then, the stadium's not even half full. I don't understand. Um, were tickets too expensive, or do people not want to travel to that stadium for this game? Not sure why there were so many empty seats. I mean... People have a hard time getting tickets to Benfica matches. I'm not sure why, why there weren't more Benfiquistas in that stadium unless more tickets were not made available. Uh, I'm not sure. If any of you, anyone who may have attended the match, feel free to uh, hit me up and and let me know how that uh, came to be and whether or not, whether or not um, there was more seats available in the stadium, or if it was just a small, um, a small luta if you will, a small allotment of tickets also I would I have to say very quickly I would be uh, remiss if I did not if I did not um, make a public statement here so of course as the mister I have to give some love of course to the missus Um, tomorrow Saturday August the 24th is the the missus and, and I's sixth wedding anniversary Happy anniversary, baby. I love you. Thank you for the support and love. Um, you've been a big support for this podcast. And um, I'm looking forward to many, many more years together, obviously. And I'm looking forward to Benfica putting a hurtin' on Football Club de tomorrow <laughs> for our anniversary. That's that's what I'm asking for from the club I love, all right? Um, also, um, a happy belated birthday to Azagiish host, Cynthia all right. And those of you that don't know, Cynthia is Mario's wife. Mario, the host of Benfica After Ninety, his wife Cynthia had a birthday yesterday um, on Thursday. On Thursday, I believe. Happy birthday, Cynthia, from the Mister and from all the listeners here. Um, and also, I have to say that um, they had a great discussion this week. Also, the Azagiers. Check it out. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it very much. Check it out. Wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Check out all the other Benfica projects. Also, Benfica podcast. Benfica FM. Uh, Historia Gloriosa. Rubrínk de Batista. Cassette Vermelha. Check them all out. All right. Um, anyone I may have forgot to to include. I apologize. Check out 3 Tugish podcast. Um, just keep up to date with all the good Benfica stuff out there. All right. All um, right. And stay right there. So, we're going to pay a bill coming up right next. Okay, we're going to quickly shoot to a an ad to pay a bill. Um, after that, it's Reconquista. And on the other side, of course, it's this week's news for week three of 2019-2020. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. Find me on Twitter, of course, at BenficaMr. And on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back, alright? Don't move. And I'll see you on the other side.
2: Reconquista (música) Passo a passo, o caminho é duro Temos muita história, mas ainda mais futuro Conto com dificuldade em cada jornada Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que eu não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Resolvi-te. nós Até que
1: não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz Que o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica, carrega benfica, carrega bem fica, ouva a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica, carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica, ouve a nossa voz, que queria O querer de todos nós, a Carrega benfica, carrega a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se
0: explica. And in the news this week, it's week three. We start off with Benfica B again. And Benfica B with a midweek match this week, uh, dropping a 4-0 decision on the road at Vila Franquense. That's right, Vila Franquense, the team, just promoted this season, newly promoted from the Campeonato de Portugal to the Pro Liga. And Vila Franquense put four goals on Benfica B, most notably put four goals on Milar. Uh, excuse me on Svilar the the former backup keeper for the first team who's now seeing time as the B team keeper and has many people uh, asking questions on why this player is still in the team of course he's still very young but um, really going through a tough time in his career right now as he uh, has zero confidence from the from the coaching staff in the first team and now in his second game with the B-team, he is lit up for four goals on the road at Villa Franquense. However, earlier today, Benfica B does recover. In the third match of the season, they pick up a 2-1 victory over Olivier Rens. Goals were scored once again as they were in the opener by Pedro Enrique and Imbalo. And if you haven't seen it, go see this strike by Imbalo. All right, it is all over the internet. It is on YouTube. It's all over BTV. What a strike from the young Portuguese left-sided, uh, excuse me, left-footed player. Absolutely brilliant uh, piece of football. Brilliant strike. Puts it in the far post. So Benfica B be right now sitting third in the Segunda Liga with six points. However, the majority of the league still has to play this weekend. The transfer deadline day is fast approaching as you know the transfer window uh, for the rest of Europe outside of England closes on uh, on midnight at August the 31st um that's midnight's uh, European standard time or central european standard time um and so far uh, so far we have no home found for uh, certain Befica players that do need to be moved on. That is, of course, uh, fasia Zivkovic, and Cervi to mention a few. Um, and probably most urgently, those three need to. The, the club needs to offload these players. I mean, we can't keep carrying so many players. And, um, well. Uh, it's really just time for these guys to move on. I hate to say it. If they stay, they stay. And, of course, they're, they're part of the squad. But, um, Fasia is not going to get any more value than you can get for him now. Zivko is, has had a hard go of it. Three head coaches. Um, very little playing time. And, you know i'm pretty confident he will find a home somewhere where eventually he's probably going to be a very good player for somebody um but it does not seem to fit in this in this system and same can be said for franco Chervi. um so stay tuned to uh to this space as well as to the the papers and to btv for the latest on transfers of course speaking of transfers Earlier today, former Benfica player, Renato Sanchez, it's it's been reported and some have said it's official, he's going to be moving away from Bayern Munich, finally getting the much desired move away from the Allianz Arena that he has been asking for, as it sounds like for 20 million euros, uh, the Portugal international 2016 European champion, former Benfica star is on his way to French Ligue 1. To play for Lille, okay. So he is gonna join up. Um, if I'm not mistaken, with Rafael, uh, not Rafael Camacho. He's gonna join up with Rafael Leon at Lille. Um, a good team, no, no doubt. And um, we'll see, we'll see how that turns out. I do believe Jose Font is also still there, and possibly his brother as well. Um, font. I know they were both there last season, not sure if that they're still there or not, but it looks like he's going into a good team, a team that played some really good football last year in the French league and a team with some expectations this year. I think Renato Sanchez if he starts playing day in day out with with the right coach, with the right um with the right style. I think this guy can can quickly get back to where he was back in 2016. Remember, he is only 22 years old. There's plenty of future ahead for Renato Sanchez. Best of luck to him, of course. And why this is on the pod tonight is because it does include Benfica, as Benfica are set to collect 500,000 euros in solidarity payments for this this uh, transfer. And there was also um, an agreement for a certain percentage. Um, of the next transfer of the player. So the hopefully he can close the book and close that Bayern Munich chapter of his career and get his career back off to where it was. Also this week, several youth players were, were signed. Um, we don't know yet. You know, There's not much to, to say about them, but I know the club has been busy signing youth players as well to bring into the setup. And we may be talking about some of those guys in just a few years. And speaking of youth players, how about this homegrown product? That's right, Jota signs a contract extension with Benfica, ending the speculation. Jota has signed an extension to stay at the club through 2024, and he now has a buyout clause of €88 million. Euros. That's right, so you want to buy Jota, it's going to cost you minimum €88 million euros of course hoping that Benfica stick to that like I always hope they stick to with these young players um last week also the news for another former Benfica player João Felix debuted in La Liga and he put in a man of the match performance for Atletico in their 1-0 victory over Getafe um, Most notable was his highlight reel run with the ball where he carried it about 60 yards, beating several players and earning a penalty kick that was then uh, failed by Alvaro Morata as his, his penalty kick was saved. Um, but Atleti, no uh, no less victorious on the day. 1-0 victory over Getafe, as I said, in a smaller uh, Madrid derby than the one that, that we usually speak up, but it is a Madrid derby. And um, João Felix did leave the match injured, but he was uh, I think he was fine. It was more of a precaution. Um, so good things there. And to be honest, watching him, I I felt like a proud Papa watching that. I know he's no longer with our team, and some people feel like that means he's no longer one of us, so they're not going to watch... either out of spite or out of jealousy or out of just the fact that he no longer plays for our team and they watch just our team but man I, I watch the kid play and I, I feel I've been watching this kid play on BTV for five years since he was like 13 years old 14 years old so watching him step up in his La Liga debut and, and to put on a performance like that um, absolutely fantastic And uh, yeah, I just feel like a proud papa, like I've seen this kid grow. And there's so much, so much more ahead for the young Benfica product. Of course, at least I'm very happy for him. And um, again, I will stand by this brilliant bit of business for Benfica. They got every single penny that they possibly could from that sale. There's no, there's no reason for hard feelings. Um, I think both Jean Felix and the club won out. It was the best outcome that could have happened um a player like that was never going to stay at Benfica for a long time would have loved him for one more season would have loved to see him play in the number 10 jersey for a season at Benfica but all things considered I think um I think both of both the club and the player are going to be very happy with the way this turns out and also, so for those of you guys, here's a little bit of news, a little bit of what's happened this week. For those of you concerned about the UEFA coefficient for the Portuguese League, I have good news for you. What Porto could not do, it looks like Olympiacos is going to give an assist to the Portuguese League. Looks like they're going to take a point away from the Russian League because Olympiacos, with more Portuguese players in their starting lineup than uh, Fruta Ball Corrupto del Puerto. Okay, with more Portuguese players than FCP, Olympiacos thumps Krasnodar 4-0 in the first leg of their UEFA Champions League playoff a match in the, um, in the league, the league route versus the champions route. So that has Olympiacos 90 minutes away from the Champions League uh, group stage, of course, including... Uh, that team including Portuguese players Jose Sa, um, Ruben Semedo, and Daniel Podence, among others. And, of course, Portuguese coach Pedro Martins. Um, yes, that's right. A bunch of largats and just just beat the snot out of the Russians. And it looks like Russia will lose a point as Krasnodar appear to be headed for the Europa League. Um, also, for the Portuguese coefficient... Braga will won their first leg uh playoff in for the Europa League, one nil at home to Spartak Moscow, while Victoria Guimarães on the road in Bucharest drew nil nil with FCSB, the club formerly known as Stawa Bucharesti. Um I didn't I had no idea who that club was until I saw formerly known as Sta uh, if you don't know the story, it's it's pretty intriguing. Look it up. It is available online if you search it. Um, the club was basically sued. <laughs> and in order to keep their their uh, FIFA coefficient and to keep their, their honors, they had to change the name and drop the Stella uh, name. And um, I think that case is still in court. But for the time being, they are FCSB. And now, lastly... Um In the news this week is a little bit of modalidad, and it is American uh, basketball star Mika Downs announces he is returning to Benfica basket after all. uh, He was the top player on the team last year, one of the best in the league. Uh, It was thought that he was going to depart from Benfica this year, but now he has announced he is returning for this season to play for Carlos Lisboa. And he says he has unfinished business in the LPB and he wants to win a championship with Sport Eligible Benfica Basket. And that is the news this week, everybody. Stay right there. Here's a little bit of audio from the first half of the match at the Jamur last weekend. This is courtesy of Antena U. And on the other side, we will get started with the deep dive into the match a.k.a. Code City Blues, nil, Benfica 2. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and as you know, find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr., and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Of course, search on Facebook for Mr. Mr. Benfica, and you will find the page. I'll catch you on the other side.
3: Cheirou a golo! Atirou o Cervé Cofi do Vila. Apoloceu ao lado. O Balanço procura, obviamente, estender. Agora um passo para Kikas. Está sozinho, vai marcar. Fiquei a Na cara do golo! Vá, dimos, Balançou o esqueleto! E fez uma defesa plena de reflexos. Pirou para o
0: And that was what it sounded like around the world on radio, courtesy of Portuguese radio station, of course, uh, Antena 1, and that was the first half, and you heard a Basically, you know, the frustration of the first half for Benfica. Um, as you heard the some of the, the bad misses there by both Seferovic and by RDT and at the end there you heard the call of Vlachodimos's great save on Kikas right at the end of the half. All right, so we're gonna go back to last Saturday. It is Liga Nage, round two, and it is the at the Stadio Nacional Jamor. Uh, Code City, a.k.a. Bilinistr Saad versus Benfica. Attendance of about 13,000 estimated. The referee is Fabio Verissimo. Um, his assistant referees are Rui Tixeira, Pedro Martins. And the, VAR is, the referee in the VAR is Carlos Sistra. TV provided here in North America by RTPI. Um, and I think it was a voiceover. From Sport TV. Uh, we'll start with the lineups here. Going with Boulinac Sad to begin. In goal, Hervé Kofi was the goalkeeper. The Malian international. The right back was Diogo Kalila. Cal- the center back pairing, Gonçalo Silva and Eduardo Cao. With Adelcio Varela as the left back. A double pivot in midfield. Or a double holding mid even. Andres Santos teaming up with Nuno Coelho. And the three men up in the attacking midfield. On the right, Matija Lujic, uh, Jonathan Luca, and Portuguese international and former Porto and Vitória Guimarães player, Lika. And the lone striker was Kikaj. Benfica starting in their familiar 4-4-2 with the same exact lineup we saw in round one. So Odi is the goalkeeper, Odi Vlachodimos. The right back was Nuno Tavares, the center back pairing Ruben Diaz and Ferru with Alejandro Grimaldo as the left back. The midfield tandem, the center mids, in the hole was Florentino in the number six position with Andreas Samadis playing a little bit ahead of him, but very often coming square with him. Um, Wide, we had. On the right, the captain on the day, and on the left, we had Rafa Silva, of course, with the, the strike tandem of last year's Golden Boot winner, Aris Seferovic, and RDT Raul de Tomas up front with him. Benfica, of course, coached by Bruno Lage, while Code City is coached by Silaj. And Benfica, like I said, starts with the same 11 as in round one. And the talking points coming into the match are all about how this is the one team that Bruno Laj could not beat last year. And um, they make it sound like they beat him, but it was a draw last year, if you remember. 2-2 at the Luz. Um Benfica did lose to this side in the first half of the season in this stadium. But that was with Hui Vitoria coaching the side. Um... The other talking point was that Sealish in three matches against Benfica, was unbeaten. Um, like I said, the, the pitch the pitch was not in good condition for this game. But this is a historic stadium, and Benfica have a lot of memories in this stadium, of course. All of the tasa de Portugal uh, triumphs over the years. Not to mention, this is the stadium where Benfica won their first international title, of course, being the tasa Latina. Okay, back in the 50s, Benfica wins the Taça Latina, I believe in 1954 if I'm not mistaken, over Bordeaux in the final. Um also, I believe that that's correct. If if I'm wrong, you'll find out on the next episode of Historia Gloriosa because that's where they're going to they're going to finish the next episode at the at the end of the decade or I should say at the end of 1954. All right, so Befica starts the match out. Seferovic kicks off, and we're underway in the first minute. Rafa carries from the left flank to the center, 22 yards from goal. Plays a nice one too with Samaric, and he has played in on goal. But the angle's just a little bit too wide. He's forced to cut with his right foot outside to the left, um, turning his back to goal. But the keeper, Kofi, still manages to get around him to go down and get a palm on the ball and knock it away. Um, Benfica with an early opportunity, but uh, but the goalkeeper does a good job there. Third minute, the ball is cleared by Benfica, by the Benfica backline. It's collected by Rafa. At the edge of his defensive third, entering the middle third, and he turns and carries that pace runs by a few uh a few code City players, and he is rugby tackled down by Jonathan Luca. Jonathan Luca sees the first yellow card of the match from Fabio Verissimo, and Luca has a complete meltdown after being shown the yellow card i 'm not sure what he thinks um. He, I love when the players signal with their finger that it's their first foul. That does not mean you get to reg, rugby tackle or you know uh you get to uh you know dog collar a, an opponent and wrestle him to the ground. Very um very intentional foul and a good yellow card. 7th minute. Samadish curves into space and plays the ball forward to Grimaldo who flicks as he falls to RDT. A nice flick and RDT's first touch pass goes uh, backwards towards Pizzi who then returns the ball into space for RDT whose first effort is stopped. This is the play you heard uh, in the in the audio there on Nintendo. His first effort is stopped by Kofi with a good save. But the rebound comes right back to RDT, who slides it across goal to Seferovic. Seferovic, however, fans on it and can't touch it into the open goal. And Boulinic, or I should say Code City, Boulinic, escape um, that that scare. And it is still nil-nil at the moment. We fast forward to the 18th minute. And Rafa again beats another Code City defender on the run. Combines again with PZ, who plays Rafa into the box. Rafa gets to the ball on the right side of the penalty box and crosses for Seferovic. But the Swiss assassin has a lousy header to be honest. And he heads it well over the goal. Not at all troubling Kofi. 22nd minute. Rafa again. Down. This time down the right Plays a sweep ball into the penalty area right onto RGT's right foot as he attacks it. But the Spaniards inside of the foot curler bends just wide of the far post. And again, Benfica narrowly miss uh, opening the scoreline. And Code City narrowly uh, avert another, surrendering another goal. 30th minute I noted that at the 30 minute mark Benfica are in full control of the match but they're lacking that quality in the final third it is clear that um they're having trouble putting that last pass together and then getting the solid effort on goal it's been three solid chances to nil for Benfica in the first 30 minutes but nothing to show for it as the scoreboard reads nil nil 33rd minute, an errant Grimaldo pass is given away in transition. But Tino quickly wins the ball back. That's right, floating Tino Luigi wins it back, finds Nuno Tavares on the right, who then turns and plays Tino down the right channel with the uh, a pass with the inside of his left foot. Tino Tino gets there, and his first-time cross, unfortunately, goes straight to Kofi, the keeper. And, again, Benfica can get nothing Um. Out of this this uh, high pressure, or I should say this this good recovery by Florentino Luiz. And the good one, too, with Nuno Tavares. But the cross goes all for none as the keeper comes out and collects it without any trouble. 35th minute, it's Rafa again. He finds the ball in Befica's half of the middle third there. And he starts running right by Andre Santos. And he takes his space to carry the ball at pace for some 60 yards before he's brought down at the edge of the box by Cow, And in the edge of the penalty area, just a few steps outside to the left of Kofi's goal. A yellow card to Cow, And this is the second card already drawn um, by Rafa. A foul on Rafa. And this is where the title today, Casa ao Rafa, hunting Rafa, if you want English, it's hunting Rafa, comes from, this was a quote that Bruno Lage had in the post game, and it was a headline in Bola, in Abola this week. Um, Grimaldo's free kick, though, goes right into the wall. And again, Benfica unable to capitalize. 37th minute, Pizzi takes a corner, two Kofis left. And the outswinger finds Ferru's head perfectly, but the young center back heads the ball well to the left, uh, well to the left of the goal. No no trouble at all for Kofi. 40th minute. It's Nuno Tavares seeing yellow as he is booked for the first time uh, in the Liga Nage in his career for a foul on Varela. And he proceeds after the foul to to kick the ball away in frustration. And that is what lands him the booking. And he finds his name in Fabio Verissimo's book at that point uh frustration is starting to to set in a little bit. It's visible on the benfica players however um Benfica's still in control though not really in any danger despite struggling to to get any type of uh any type of dangerous opportunity or any real good crack at goal forty first minute it's Rafa again this time he attempts a back heel on goal when the ball is crossed hard at him by Grimaldo. But it's right at Kofi. 45th minute. Peasy volleys across. Out of the air. Onto the ground. Toward goal. It's intended for Seferovic. But Kofi is there first. Comes out sliding. Pounces on it. Before Seferovic can get to it. 46th minute. Now this is the play that you also heard at the end of that audio bit. This is... This is Code City's best opportunity. The ball is lobbed down the field. And Kikas, remember, he scored against Benfica last year at the Luz on that uh, very poorly timed and poorly executed back pass by Ruben Dias that put him in on a breakaway. Kikas this time uses what looks like his shoulder to play himself in on goal. Ruben Dias slips here, allowing Kikas to go in uncontested. and It's one versus one with Odie, but the Greek international keeper gets his left hand up just in time to make the save of the match, and the referee's whistle blows for halftime shortly thereafter. It's nil-nil going into the locker rooms at the Jamur. and at the half, of course, I fast-forwarded through the music videos. I watched this on DVR, so I fast-forwarded through the music videos and I'll give a little plug here because I saw a commercial for an upcoming live broadcast of the Festa do Espírito Santo, or the Holy Ghost Feast, as we call it. This one in Fall River here in the United States, here in Massachusetts, down in the city of Fall River. Maybe the capital of Portuguese, uh, the Portuguese community in Massachusetts. Maybe New Bedford has something to say about that. Maybe Ludlow also. But uh, nonetheless, the Holy Ghost Feast will be broadcast live Sunday. Um, on RTP, check the listings if you are interested. I know I grew up in a town uh, where we also had we had two Holy Ghost feasts a year, so I'll I'll probably check it out a little bit just to see. It's a pretty cool Azorean tradition. Um, it's a feast, and they have the the famous sopage do um, santo, um, the bread soup with the with the meat, and uh, it's it's a very Azorean thing with the crowning of an emperor and an empress. And uh, they are obviously the the organizers of the feast of that year. Um, they're crowned and everything. And we we had two in my town every year. We had the the Holy Ghost for the Michaelis, the, the the community from San Miguel, as well as two weeks later we would do the Holy Ghost for the Mudians. Um I believe they're two different chapters of the Holy Ghost society. Um the Marians of course, um, like my mother, are the the community that come from the island of Santa Maria in the Azores. So if you're interested, check that out. Uh it cuts back to the Jamur and it shows uh it shows Benfica it's showing the Benfica and packed in the stadium and the rest of the stadium barely empty. Like I said, why were there not more fans in that stadium? Uh, was it a pricing thing? Were there not more tickets available? Is it that it's just too difficult to get to Jamour on a Saturday night? Uh, if you know the answer, feel free to hit me up. I'm very curious about that. We're gonna take a break before we get into the second half. All right, we're gonna pay another bill here because uh, we got to do things like that here. Um, so uh, we're gonna roll that, and then we're gonna have some more audio from antenna oo as you're going to hear the audio to uh, to the one of the goals in the half and then we'll be back on the other side you will um we'll get right into the second half okay i am the mister of course mike agustino you know the twitter you know the you know the instagram by now it's at it's at benfica mister on twitter and at mister benfica on instagram and like always search on facebook by typing mister benfica We'll be right back in one moment, all right, for the second half. was the sound of Benfica's first goal by Rafa, none other than Rafa, of course, um, and how it sounded around the world on Antenna. Let's get into the second half and see how we got there. Uh, Kikash will kick off for Code City to start the second half and the uh, the commentator on RTPI quickly notes that Fehu and Rubin had swapped sides in the center back uh, position at least temporarily early in the second half they would they would switch again uh just a few minutes later but interestingly enough Lige sends him out um having swapped sides for whatever reason um 47th minute, and who else? Rafa breaking down the right flank with speed. He crosses for Sefedovich, but again, the header is up and over the bar and not very pretty to look at. Um, looked a little awkward for the big Swiss center forward. And I heard this, um, I think it was on Befica FM. I think Baquero said this uh, this week, um, if it wasn't Nuno. But uh, they said, you know, players... Like, uh, Seferovic reminds him of some of the big center backs in that uh, the bigger bodies seem to take a little bit longer to get ready, to get into full form in the season. Uh, He talked about last season how Seferovic started. You know, he started on the bench. He didn't even start. We were going with Castillo and Fejeda last year um, up front and um, it was it was a while. It was mid-season before the Golden Boot winner, Seferovic, was at full pace. So um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, are questioning this this partnership of RDT and Seferovic, and I have my own questions about it, absolutely. And the thing I, I um, want to stress is I don't think it's necessary. Um, I don't think it's if you go away from that partnership for one match or for two matches or for certain matches, certain situations, that doesn't mean Bruno Lage has given up on playing these two forwards together. Uh, it's going to take some time and maybe for a couple matches, they got to make some adjustments and, and change it up a little bit. Maybe there needs to be a little more rotation. We got another big striker in, in Carlos Vinicius. So we've got options up front. It's not like last year. So, um, or the end of last year, I should say. So, We'll see what happens, but I'd, if for some reason okay, um, this pair is broken up temporarily or broken up for a match or two, do not jump to conclusions and say that Pefica and Bruno Elijah have given up on either the Golden Boot winner or the 20 million euro signing uh, that came over this summer. It just It's just sometimes you have to go away from something and come back to it later to see if it can work. So we're... A minute later, now forty eighth minute, and again, it's Rafa down the down the side into the box. He he appeared to be brought down by Gonzalo Silva, and um and now this is where the polemica begins. Okay, and again, I, I've always said, and I said last season, and um my goal is to stay away from referees, stay away from from talking about polemicas. But on this one, the replay does show there is definitely some contact. Even the the commentator acknowledges that there's some contact, and he's not convinced that that's not a penalty kick. Fabio Verissimo waves for Rafa to get up and does not consult the VAR at any point. You would think when the at the next stoppage of play, he could at least put his hand to his ear and uh, consult with Carlos Sistra. But nope, there is no look at the VAR, and that's going to come in handy. Um, or I should say, that's going to come into play a little bit later, because we're going to, guess what, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about VAR more in this second half and uh, the inconsistencies of it, and it's starting to feel like last season again, where it seems like, you know, it seems like a certain team, <laughs> Benfica, seems to have everything under review all the time. It's got to pass through through multiple reviews before it's accepted, whereas when it's, the other way, it looks like it's quickly disregarded, and we move on. But anyway, a minute later in the 49th, it's Peasy this time winning the ball, spinning towards goal, and he's quickly wrapped up by Kikish. And Kikish earns a yellow card for his trouble as he wraps up and wrestles Peasy to the ground. Um, and quickly, the yellow card tally is, is building for. For the home side. as um, But this one, ironically, or this one, interestingly enough, not drawn by Rafa. This might have been the only card of the match um, for the home side that was not drawn by Rafa. 54th minute. It's Grimaldo now crossing for Pizzi, who heads it up on goal. But the Portugal international is whistled for an offside. Um, and in 50, the 56th minute, Silas will go to the bench. He'll be the first to make a sub for Code City Blues as Nigerian international Chima Uche would sub on for the Spaniard Varela and it's a left back and um basically what he's what Sealage is doing here is he's trying to get some attack going down uh down the right down his right side so what he's doing is he's subbing on uh, defense-minded, left-sided player to reinforce the left side of his defense, okay? And to force, you know, to give some more attack down his left to attack Benfica's right. Um, of course, PZ, uh, not the most gifted when it comes to defensive, uh, any type of defensive attributes, and Nuno Tavares, of course, playing out of position. Still, yes, he had a great game last week. We talked about him last week. He was the man of the match last week, in my opinion. Even though PZ had it, according to the ratings, but um, he was back, back to earth this week a little bit. The young, uh, the young left-footed uh, defender for Benfica, playing um as a converted right back. And it looked like they're looking to attack that side of the field with that change. 58th minute, a mess of players from both teams are congregated at the edge of the box, or the edge of the penalty area, I should say. PZ powers his way through, and then the ball is kicked off him, and he manages to get it back and to get a touch towards Rafa, who then takes a big touch towards goal, clears enough space for himself, and fires a right-footed rocket past Kofi into the upper corner at the far post and Benfica take the lead 1-0 in the 58th minute at the Jamud. and the sea of red at the opposite end of the stadium erupts as Benfica have a has a have a huge goal and everyone breathes a massive sigh of relief 1-0 to Benfica it's Rafa scoring from PZ from the assist king Rafa with his first of the season 1-0 to Benfica in the 58th minute just after Selish made that substitution. 60th minute, RDT now plays the ball wide to the left to Safarovic, who crosses with his left foot. But again, the cross is right into Kofi's gut. The, key, the Malian keeper secures the ball, and danger again averted for the home side. Are they really the home side, though? Because they don't even have a stadium. This is a borrowed stadium, so maybe... It's really hard to do this podcast, I have to say, when I refuse to call them uh, Boulinets out of respect for the real Boulinets. Like I said, I keep coming up with something different to call them each time. Uh, maybe I'll just stick with the Code City Blues for the rest, the rest, of, this, uh, the rest of this podcast. Uh, 61st minute, it's Rafa this time crossing for Seferovic again, but it's too high and it goes out the far touchline for a throw to the Code City side. 63rd minute now. Silas again goes to the bench. And it's Argentinian forward. Nico Velez coming on for Kikash. It would not be the same dream uh, performance for Kikash It was the last time he saw Benfica. Um, 64th minute. It's again Rafa turning central with the ball. Carrying into space. And again he he is, suffers the fate of a rugby tackle. And this time it's by the substitute Nico Velez. Who had just come on. And within a minute. Velez is in Fabio Verissimo's book. And it's another yellow card. Drawn by Rafa. 68th minute. This time Seferovic is pulled down. By Andres Santos. And another Code City Blue player. In the book. So the second one. Not drawn by by uh, Rafa. But it is Andres Santos. Seeing the yellow card. From Fabio Verissimo. 74th minute. And it was a substitution I was waiting for, as I said last week. I, I want to see this guy get more playing time. Chiquinho comes in for Benfica, replaces RDT in the 74th minute. And in that 74th minute, still Safarovic on goal from a long ball into space. But he can't get anything on it again. And the rating golden boot winner continues to struggle in front of goal. Um, he fans on it again. And it's really, really a, a frustrating afternoon for the Swiss international. 76th minute, Vales uh, now going down the right. Cuts back, beating Grimaldo. And he drives across on the ground for Lika, But sails it over Odi's goal. Does not trouble Benfica's Greek international goalkeeper. And the former Porto player is scratching his head as he had a chance to put his side shockingly ahead here in the final quarter hour of the match. But the match remains 0-0. 75th, uh, 79th minute, excuse me. Lika again crosses towards goal. And at first it's stopped by Nuno Tavares' left foot. But when the youngster goes to spin and clear the ball. Completely misses it with his right foot. And it allows the Argentinian Beles to come in and shoot on goal. But his left footed effort is hooked just wide at the far post befica very very fortunate in this 5 minute span not to have gone down by a goal as uh the opposition had two clear chances here on two errors and now um befica do however regroup themselves here and i shouldn't have said down a goal they were lucky not to surrender um and fall uh level at that point 82nd minute befica counter down the left Down the left side after Ruben Diaz's clearance. And once again, it's Rafa. And once again, he's violently cut down. This time, it's Lika. Lika goes in the book. Another yellow card uh, shown by Fabio Verissimo. One minute later, 83rd minute. Chiquinho gets free down the left. He plays it inside to Pizzi. Pizzi plays a diagonal back towards Grimaldo at his left back position. Grimaldo, with the first-time ball, plays it towards Goal into Seferovic who's got his back to goal but uh, but intelligently dishes it to the on-running Chiquinho wide. Chiquinho with the first touch with his left foot plays it back across the front of goal and Seferovic is able to tap it into the empty net for the second goal and Benfica now seemed to have the match in the bag. And uh, the stadium at that end, at the red end, is on its feet celebrating. Several minutes go by. Okay, several minutes go by, and now the polemica returns. That's right. This was the result of five consecutive one-time passes. But now it's clear Verissimo is holding his ear He's listening and communicating with Sistra in the VAR booth. And several more minutes go by. I think a total of seven minutes passed. And and it's Verissimo running to the sideline, to the screen, to the monitor to take a look at the play. We see the play rewound. And after a few more minutes, Sistra returns to the pitch, takes his two pointer fingers, does the the VAR box signal and then puts his right arm up for offside. Confused, um, stunned crowd without without a a uh, jumbotron or without a, a screen, a monitor in the stadium, a giant screen, like they say in Portuguese, for them to see what's going on. Un- not really understanding. And Seferovic is ruled offside some st- by a mere 30 centimeters, some 30 seconds before the goal. I mean, this to me is very suspicious. Um, This is – listen – I'm not going to sit here and advocate or or contest the VAR. VAR is here. VAR is not going anywhere. There's no point in arguing. It's not going to be taken out, no matter how much some people want it to be taken out of the game. I think we're stuck with VAR. And I think when VAR done well, when it's done correctly, is good for the game. VAR is supposed to remove the polemica, remove the the controversy. Yet in Portugal, once again, these referees and these VAR officials find a way to make more controversy with it it's like they're rewinding and rewinding and looking for something to disallow and this is i'm not the only one making this criticism there's plenty of criticism about this out there but it always seems like when it's Befica, that is when the 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 match or the play is dissected. They go back and back and back from play to play to play to see if it's something that can be done. Um, and at that point, you know you're looking at it, and it just seems like they're stretching now to find something when it when it happens to Benfica. You watch Porto, you watch Sporting, you watch especially those two teams, you don't see the same dissection of plays. They're not rolling and rolling back and back and back and back. At what point, you know, is it too far back to look to come up with the play? And I'm not even convinced that there were 30 centimeters there. There's still a human being deciding when to pause the video and to see if the player is offside. You can't even tell. It's not zoomed in enough to tell if that ball has left the the player's foot who's sending the play and it's the lines are very are still put there by a human okay so wh- while the line shows a difference of 30 centimeters it it looks fishy and um i was under the impression var is supposed to correct a clear and obvious mistake Okay, a clear and obvious mistake, and I don't want to contradict things I've said in the past. Okay, uh, perhaps I've said something different before, but as I think about it and as I replay it, I remember hearing this is supposed to replace clear and obvious mistakes. Yes, when it's a it's a matter of of offside and penalty kicks, it should be clear cut. It either. Uh, with penalty kicks, you know, you can quote me. I always say, A, was there contact? It's either a yes or no question. Yes, there was contact, it's a penalty. No, there was not contact, it's not. Offside, either the player's off or he's not. But at some point, okay, at some point, that difference that distance has to be too slow to tell it's got to be too close to call which I believe this one was too close to call and if I'm not mistaken when it's too close the advantage is supposed to be not the advantage but the call the referee made live is supposed to stand now the problem is Portuguese the Portuguese league rather than making the call that they think it is at the time has the policy of just letting every play go on they let it play out and then afterwards they'll They'll decide, you know, they'll watch the play on the monitors after the play. They won't whistle an offside if it's close until after the play. Meaning that, uh, well, in the spirit of the rule of of, of too close means the, the call stands. Every call is too close. They've thrown that out essentially. And it's like if they can find a millimeter, they're going to call that offside. And it, there's no way that the calibration is that perfect, that it's that precise at least i don't feel so but anyhow after all that befica's goal is annulled it's it is it is taken back by var disallowed by var i should say for an offside but that would not be of any trouble, despite the frustration. Because in the ninetieth plus two, it's Rafa one more time, breaking down the left again with the ball on his preferred right foot and at pace. He cuts central and he slides the ball to Peasy. Peasy stops the ball on a dime, and the defender overcommits. Peasy manages to freeze him after the overcommittal and then he he manages to create an inch of space for himself where he gets the ball on his right foot and he puts it past the defender and past Kofi's reach at the far post the ball goes into the far pole into the goal at the far post befica take a 2-0 lead pezy scores his third of the season it's pezy this time the assist is from rafa that dynamic duo just um Seems to continue to combine for deadly, deadly accuracy this season and for just deadly production. Um, and Pizzi from Rafa in the 90th plus 2 will seal the three points for Ugluriozu. Um 90 plus 3, a double substitution for Benfica. Bruno Laj sends on Terapt and Carlos Vinicius for Pizzi and Seferovic. And 90th plus 5... Rafa one last time, carrying at pace. And he is assaulted one last time, this time by Kalila. And another card uh, for a foul against Ralf, Rafa. Um, Fabio Verissimo calls an into to the match shortly thereafter. About 90 plus 6. And Benfica are 2-0 victory. 2 nil winners I'm sorry they're victorious on a 2 nil victory and now let's hear some words from the gaffer from the mister this is Bruno Lage on trio the attack after the match Que foi era nós do
4: jogo eh e como e como vencemos tocar no sumo Casno concede podia soar a desculpa mas eh acho que este jogo por fim que os os equipas deu favor dos atletas eh merecia merecia outro outro relevado Ah, está verdinho está bonito mas não não tem grande qualidade para para, para fazer um futebol agradável mas mesmo assim foi foi acho que aquilo que que aconteceu Ah, uma primeira parte para já uma vitória justa com com uma boa boa exibição da da nossa parte Depois de ver esta primeira parte com várias oportunidades criadas por nós, foi olharmos para duas três imagens para tentar, sem bola, estarmos em melhor posição para ter as cautelas na, na transição ofensiva do adversário e continuar a explorar os espaços que este sistema do Bolonês oferece.
0: And that was Brunelage in his post-game press conference uh, talking. He had to say out flat out right at the start. He had to preface uh, his his press conference by saying that for the quality of the players in the match on both teams and the quality of the athletes and the quality of the teams that this match deserved a better pitch. That's what he said in the beginning. Um, he said that um, it's, it, it, it translates more or less to the grass was pretty, it was green, it looks nice, but it is not uh, preferable to play a proper football match on. And he he did preface by saying that. Then he said as the match goes, he knew they were playing a good, well-organized team. And the first half showed some difficulty for both teams, he said, but he said that the victory was well-deserved and fair. And then he said that the the change or the the objective especially in the second half was to while can, keeping your keeping your shape to to protect against the opponent's counterattack uh still needing to be able to explore and to exploit the space that the adversary that the opponent is giving you and he said that Benfica in the second half were very very um competent at at doing that at finding the space and and I, I agree with his analysis there are many many chances created I think the problem was the finishing in front of goal some people have been beaten up on the strikers um I they certainly are not without blame but it's not all about that um they still do other things off the ball that you don't see but um let's go to the goal point and review this one player for player um I'll start with the ratings for for Code City here. The goalkeeper Kofi had a 5.7, while the the back line here, uh, Gonzalo Silva 6.4, Nuno Coelho with a 7.6. He was uh their best player. Cow a 5.3, Varela 4.9, uh, Jonathan Luca 5.0, Andres Santuj 4.0, Luz, uh Lujic. 5.1. Kikesh, a 3.8. He had the lowest rating on the pitch. And Likao was a 4.5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, yellow cards, 4. Boulonis, Saad, in this match for Code City Blues. Benfica, on the other hand, uh, uh, Odi, a 5.1. Grimaldo, a 7.1. Fejo, 6.8. Ruben Díaz with a low, an unusually low, 4.9. Nuno Tavares was Benfica's lowest-rated player with a 4.0 and a yellow card. Uh, Pizzi, 7.5. Florentino, 6.0. Samadish, 5.9. Seferovic, 4.7. Raul de Tomas, RDT, 5.2. And, of course, with what from what I understand, is one of the first uh, since goal point has been developed. This is uh, the new the new system i'm using this year for player ratings um rafa the man of the match with a perfect 10 that's right a perfect 10 one goal one assist um eight dribbles and six six uh efficient or six he beat six players out of out of eight attempted um, for the substitutes, Chiquinho was given a 5.0, and the other two did not see enough action to earn a rating. Um, shots. Okay, so here's some stats. The total shots, 7-2, to, Code City, 22 to Benfica. Hamachi uh, Quadrad, shots on goal, 1 for Code City, 5 for Benfica. Shots inside the penalty area, 6-14. to 14. The advantage, of course, for Benfica passes, Bayfico wins that edges that statistic as well with 485 passes for an 86.4 efficiency rate. Not too shabby from from the opponent though, as uh, Bulinish Sad, aka Code City, 454 passes for an 82.6 efficiency. Uh, the efficiency on the vertical pass or the north south pass, eficacia. Pass Vertical, as it says here, 68.4% to the home side, while Benfica a 74.0% efficiency on those passes. So Benfica, the better side. I know a lot of people are not happy with the performance, and I'll say again that this team has a lot still to improve on, um, and they need to be better tomorrow or tonight, depending when you're listening to this, or yesterday, depending when you're listening to it. Uh, Saturday, they need to be better against Football Club Report. There's no question about it. Um, They cannot continue to squander chances. They need to be more efficient in front of goal. Um, One thing I'm very happy about is the fact that we are pulling a clean sheet at this point. I hold clean sheets um, as a very high priority. Um, that's to me one of the most important things uh, in successful teams is the ability to keep a clean sheet, so that you don't need three or four goals to win a match. Or to you know, some teams can score but they can't keep the ball out of their own goal. Um, stay right there. We're gonna come back and we're gonna preview the Clásico against uh, against uh, Football Club de Porto. Fruto ball Corruptus del Puerto tomorrow, uh, Saturday. August the 24th, or 24th, excuse me. I'm getting confused now because it's after midnight. Stay right there. We'll do a little preview uh, of the match before we sign off for the week. This is Mr. Benfica. welcome back to mr benfica episode 26 so here we are again a classic to get ready for that's right it's north versus south or really it is the city of porto versus everybody else because we know benfica is not confined to a city or even to a country uh benfica is worldwide so um let's let's get a little preview for this matchup all right we got um Befica coming in they are on six points you know top of the table Porto has had a turbulent start to the season they have been bounced from the Champions League uh in the in the preliminary stage not even in the playoff um they've been bounced to the Europa League costing them millions uh they've had players leave for free they've had um they they've Really had a hard time getting this this season off the ground, uh, but last week we'll go. Let's take a look at what they did last week, as um, they may be turning it around. As last week, Porto were four nil winners at home over Vitória Stubo. Porto played in a 4 a 2 Excuse me, with. Um, who in a uh, player who in my opinion right now is the best goalkeeper in the portuguese league Augustin marchesin uh the argentinian international that porto acquired from club america just a few weeks ago and he's already paid dividends in these couple of games he's played uh he was huge in russia uh got them that one nil victory before they blew it at home um he was also very good in the lo- losing effort to Shilvysent in round one. Um, I'm very familiar with Marcusine because I have followed Club America for several years, and um, he was a big part of Club America winning the uh, Mexican Championship in the last uh, last Apertura season about one year ago. Um, the, the fall season one year ago, the Apertura. Um, America were champions and Marquesin was a big part of that. Um, he's the number two goalkeeper for the Argentinian national team right now. Uh, but could very easily be the number one. Very good goalkeeper and I think due to his experience and his ability coming out of goal I rate him right now just a hair better than, than Odie but I'm com- obviously I'm very confident in our goalkeeper. So Porto across the back, the left back was Alex Telsch, the center back pairing was the returning Ivan Marcanu and of course Pep, who I'm sure is going to be a key protagonist in the match against Benfica. The right back in this match was Tecatito-Corona. Big question mark, who's going to play right back for Benfica? I mean, for Porto, excuse me. As you know, Benfica's left side is the stronger of the two sides. And is Sergio Conceição going to put Tecatito out there to try to defend Rafa and Grimaldo? I highly, highly doubt it, Um, especially on the same side as Romario Barro. I expect Sergio Conceição to go with Manafa there and not with Corona. Uh, The midfield on the left, Luis Diaz, a a new acquisition, very good player. Um, The center-back pairing was Danilo, the captain Danilo, and another Club America import that I am quite familiar with, Mateus Uribe, the Colombian international and uh, Portugal youth international and uh, UEFA Youth League star of last season, Romário Baro. On the right side, in a very potent uh, striker pairing of Moisa Marega and the Cape Verdean international Zé who was brought in from the Russian League this summer in the transfer market. Um, Zé Luiz, the man of the match, a 9.7 rating and a hat trick in this match. The other goal scored by Luis Diaz. Okay, so um, again, the key matchups, it's no different than it was last February. The right back of Porto, whether it's Manafa or it's it's Tecatito, they're gonna have to contain Rafa and an overlapping Grimaldo. If Romario Baro is the right midfielder, um that's also gonna be interesting to see if he can keep pace with the two outside. Players of Benfica as well. Also, my biggest concern for Benfica is, of course, on the right side. Nuno Tavares having to contend with Zelouij. That is a bad matchup. Hopefully, he'll get plenty of help. Um, We'll see how the two... I, I expect the two center backs to have a, a fantastic match like they did at the Dragon last February. Uh, Fehu and, and Ruben Diaz, they come up for the big match, especially Ruben Dias. He always rises to the big match. Um, the other question for Befica is who will start up front? This has been a talking point all week. Um, my my thought, and uh, I didn't play the audio, but in that same press conference, Bruno Laj called Chiquinho a crack. Um, I'm big on Chiquinho. I've liked everything I've seen from him so far this season through the preseason and into the first three official matches of the season. He has been good and I think he deserves to start. I don't know that this is the match to do it. I actually think I, I expect Brunelage to roll out the same 11 and here's why I think these previous two matches were a dress rehearsal. For this match against Porto, I think he's play, he's designed the team this way specifically. He's gonna attack the right side of Porto's midfield and defense. Okay, with with, with Rafa and with Grimaldo, and you can even include Seferovic, who is gonna uh, who is gonna make his runs to the left. Okay, um, they're gonna they're gonna try to attack that side. Will Pep and Marcano be able to contend with with Befica's players coming in? Okay, we could have a, this could be a breakout game for Raul de Tomas. It's a big game and I think the 2 forward system may work best against this 4-4-2 that we're facing in this match. So maybe I uh, I think if I had to trust my gut, I think Bruno is going to go with the same 11. I don't think he's going to change it up for this game. I think he's going to follow this this 11 right up to the international break after the Braga match next week. And then on the other end of the international break, maybe where we start to see some changes. I think Chiquinha is going to find his way into the starting lineup soon. Um, I know some people don't see where he's going to play. I think Unless Seferovic turns it around, I know he's the golden boot winner, but if he continues to squander chances the way he has, he's going to need to sit for a bit. And I I really think Raul Tomash is much more suited to be a striker than to be the, the supporting forward. Um, he's working hard, but he is adjusting to a new position. And um, I, could see, I could see for at least a couple of matches him going up and playing as a true number nine with Chiquinho coming in behind him. I think Chiquinho's earned it. Um, I I don't see anyone else breaking into the starting lineup right now. Andre Almeida's not ready to replace Nuno Tavares from what I understand. He's got no game minutes. This is a tough match. I know he's got experience, but this is a tough, tough match to come into with no preseason and no, no uh, match experience at all. Um, We'll need a big game from Odie, okay? He's going to have to make the key saves when we do have the slip-ups because they will happen in the 90 minutes. This is a, really a goalkeeping duel. And quite honestly, it doesn't happen often, but a nil-nil draw would not surprise me, okay? It would not completely surprise me, at least, um, even though there's so much firepower on the field for both teams. Um, that. Those pair of strikers, Marega and and Zeluis, uh, that that can be scary if they're both on. Um, Befica has the the even without Gabriel, Befica has the the advantage in midfield. And late breaking news is that um, in addition to Sergio Oliveira, who is injured, so I don't expect him to play. I haven't heard a, a an official word whether or not he will. He's convocado. But um, Nakajima, from what I understand, is not gonna—he's gonna miss this match at the Luge. That's a nice break for Benfica. Nakajima is a good creative player that could cause some problems for Florentino and and uh, Samadish. I expect them to stick with that. I think they need Samadish's defensive uh, abilities in this match because there will be moments where Porto are gonna put us under some serious pressure. Um, I expect a huge game from Florentino. I think when the team needs to defend, Florentino is at his best. So I expect a huge game from him. Um, Rafa, if he can keep it up. There's going to be a lot of hacking, unfortunately. The Casa or Rafa is going to continue, uh, especially with that team, that Porto team. They're going to they're going to nail him every chance they got. He's got to pick and choose when he's going to run at people. He's got to use his teammates. Um, and players have to get close to him and get in support. Um, Raul de Tomas and Seferovic are going to have to hold up the ball and allow Benfica to get numbers forward. Uh, both teams can can press high. Both teams can counterattack like crazy. We'll see which what will prevail. Um, can, can Benfica force Porto to play it long with their high press and um, in turn really give the ball away a lot? And also, Porto are going to try to do the same thing. They're going to try to press Benfica's back four if they're going to receive the ball and try to they're going to want to prevent the back four from being able to play out of the back and it's going to be an interesting match i'm excited to watch this i do feel we have the better side i we're clearly on better form but uh who knows okay who knows anything can happen in a classical and a rivalry match and um i Listen, I don't like Porto, but I I will always respect Porto. I don't care what the standings say. I don't care what form says. Porto is always capable of. They've done it plenty of times. Come into the Luge and stolen a result. Let's go to the table right now. Actually, I'm gonna let's go through the results of last week, including the matches from from this week. In the league, there's been a few matches already in round three. Let's review the scores and go over the standings. So it's round two of the Liga Nage starting a week ago, Friday, August the 16th, as we talked about last week. Cone, one nothing winners at home over Rio Ave. Okay, on Saturday, August the 17th, there were three games. Morirens, 3-0 winners at home to Gil Vicente. Um, Code City 2-0 defeat of course to our Benfica and after that uh, Futebol Clube do Porto 4-0 victory at home over Vitória Stubo on Sunday there were 4 matches Passos de Ferreira 0 Santa Clara 1 Desportivo das Aves 3 Marítimo 1 Vitória Guimarães 1 Boa Vista 1 and Sporting Clube Portugal 2 Sporting Club de Braga won. Monday, the the round was closed out with Tondela losing at home, dropping a 2-1 decision to the visitors Portimonense, featuring, of course, Zé Gomes on loan from us. And now, fast forward to uh, the beginning of round three, which started earlier today. Uh, Vitória Stúbal zero moreres zero at the uh, at uh, Stúbal and Riuav with a big five to one victory today over Sportivo de Zavj and they had a hat trick scored by one of their uh, new signings and it was Mehdi Taremi with a hat trick today. Made the Tademi in a player rating of 9.7. Very uh, surprising. Not that they won, but surprising that they won with such a a, uh, large margin. So let's go to the standings now, the table, as we head into the rest of round three. So as it stands... Right now at twelve thirty three AM on August the twenty fourth here in the in the United States on the East Coast. Befica top of the table, six points and a seven goal difference. Family our are second with six points as well and a plus three goal difference. Moritence are third with four points, plus one goal difference, four goals scored as they which separates them. From the other three teams with four points, that's Bovista, Sporting, and Portimonense, all with four goals, all with uh, one, plus one goal difference. Bovista and Sporting with three goals scored, Portimonense with two. Right now, Porto, our opponents later today, are seventh on three points. Uh, Rio Ave, right below them. Actually, Rio Ave with the victory today also now have six points. This has not been updated, unfortunately. Uh Riuab with six points. They would now be third over Morenes. Uh, so Braga is next along with Santa Clara, Gil Vicente, and Avs, all with three points. Vitoria Stubal is 14 is 13th, excuse me, with two points. Vitoria Guimarães, 14th on one point. Tondela, Maritivo, and Balanis Sad. Uh, 15th, 16th, and 17th, respectively, uh, all with one point. Negative one goal difference for Tondela negative two for Maritimo and Code City. And right now, bringing up the rear, the only team with no points after two rounds, Passos de Ferreira, um, zero points and a minus six goal difference. Let's go to the player stats right now. Goal scorers. Portus Zeluij leads the goal scoring the Golden Boot race at the moment. He's got three goals with no penalty goals scored. PZ second with three goals as well. One of them coming by penalty. So the tiebreaker does go to Zeluij. Uh, Wilson Eduardo of Braga has got two goals. Meharad Mohamidi of das Aves also on two goals. Ahmed Hassan of Braga with one. Ailton Boamort. Bilel Arrocheria, Bodizar, Krajev, Bruno Fernandes, Carlos Vinicius of Benfica, Davidson, Dalush Pereira, Enzo Zidane. Enzo Zidane, the same Enzo Zidane who I was watching YouTube videos of as like a 13-year-old some, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, the son of the great Zinedine Zidane, now playing this season for Sportivo uh, de He got on the score sheet tonight. He's got a goal. Fábio Abreu, Francésio, Jetterson, Seferovic, Yuri, Jean Clay, Lorenzi, Lucas, Luiz Diaz, Luther Singh, Nené, Nuno Santos, Nuno Tavares, Rafa, Richard, Rubén Macedo, Sebastian Coates, Tiago Sant- uh, Santana, Wellington Jr., Wendell, Yusipi Omnije, Alex Telsh, Felipe Augusto, and Rafael Costa, all with one goal each. All right. So let's get now to the final part of tonight's show. It is the listener feedback section from none other than the super fan himself. The, really the biggest fan of this show. I, uh, he communicates with me almost every week. Let me pull it up. All right. If you give me just one moment. Um, it is Neil uh, at nilo Fernandes on instagram he sent me three points so here's what he says mister three points one BeFica should only have players with numbers one through 23 this is i think in response to what i said last week about how much traditionalists and we talked about the number 10 and i know neil thought that uh deserved the number 10 so he's saying players should only be numbers 1 through 23. I don't necessarily disagree, um, but I don't think that's the reality anymore in the current game. Players are doing more um, to brand- with branding themselves with higher numbers. Um, also, there are more than th- 23 guys in the squad. I mean, the entire full squad can be anywhere can be almost 30 players. Uh Benfica in that first match of the season that that apresentação uh against Enderlecht used 30 different players. So um I get what he's saying and I don't disagree but I don't see it happening because uh of the branding, I mean, uh guys just um using the higher numbers now to give give themselves uh a little more of a um a little more of a, a gimmick if you will or a or a persona you see guys wearing like the number 99 or the number 80 and putting their initials with their number um, so that's becoming a thing you know see CL 7 Caio Lucas 7 or you know uh, CV 85 I think is Carlos Vinicius number you see a lot of that um, but i don't necessarily disagree with neil um his second point although like myself he doesn't care about port- portugal's coefficient neil says i want i just want befica to do well in uefa not being helped by sporting or port i am a big fan of sporting or port going all the way to any uefa final and, um but losing at the end this helps portugal's coefficient And it gives me great pleasure seeing our rivals lose. I just like whenever they lose, Neil. I don't care if it's the first round. I don't care if it's the final. Um, Honestly, I don't want to listen to Spartanguiches or Portiches all the way to the final of any competition. Um, If I can see them lose, I'm rooting. I I don't care about the coefficient. I've said that. Um, I want to be champion every year and to... to, uh, Carry I guess Carry the Portuguese league's coefficient on their own if that means. Um I will root for Vitoria and for Braga. Um I hope that they get into the, the Europa League uh group stage and I'll root for pretty much any other team that is not Sporting or Porto but yeah I'm not rooting for those guys. Um not it's not going to happen. I'm not rooting for them. <laughs> Uh, his third point was a question to me, and he says, what's my, what's our plan hosting Porto? Does Lige keep the same lineup? I answered that in the last segment. I think in the end he will. Um, I see a few things he could tinker, but I don't think he's going to tinker. I think he's going to go with what he's been doing so far, and he will adjust and play chess once the match begins. Um, I do, if things don't go well, expect to see you come off the bench a little earlier. Expect... um. Perhaps a slight change in shape, if necessary, uh, to to adjust to something Porto may be doing. Bruno Laj is a student of the game. He is going to be watching closely, and um, I think he's going to do fine, and he's going to find a way to uh, to eke out this victory. I believe Befica going to win, but it's going to be tough. Um I'm never too confident. A lot of people are confident. I've listened to all the pods, like I said. I've watched the YouTube shows. I've listened to the – I read the tweets. I hope we're not coming in a little too overconfident. What I am confident in is that Lige is grounded. He has the team grounded. He has the team focused. I don't think they're going to underestimate Porto. This is a big match. This is a big uh, rivalry, and it's a grudge match and I hope it resembles a f- football match more than a Toirada, but I could easily see this turn into a hackfest by Porto to keep to keep to to slow Benfica down. Um, I don't think a 0-0 draw is the worst result in the world for Porto. I think if they leave the Stadio de Luz only three points behind, they're going to be happy. So I expect uh, Pep and company to be hacking. I expect our defenders to take some late shots from Marega. I'm expecting, uh, you know, I'm expecting Otavio to come off the bench for Porto and to do what he does best, which is pretty much crap, and just uh, destroy and hack and try to antagonize and try to get somebody sent off again like he did last year. Uh, but I think they got to keep their composure, got to keep their head. they got to stay calm, play the ball, um, use the 12th man because we are going to be playing against the referees and the VAR. There's no... Uh, It's not a conspiracy theory. We saw the way Porto scored a goal at the Luzla, at the, they excuse me, last year, an offside goal that not even the VAR would overrule. So I don't expect any favors. I don't even expect it to be called down the middle. I expect Porto to get the better of the referee and the VAR. Um, They're going to find ways to help them. It just seems to always happen that way. Um, whether that's because they're intimidated by Porto, whether they're afraid of Porto or whether something's going on behind the scenes, that's not for me to say, but uh, I'm just going to say the result, um, I want to see if come out with a, with a victory. I want to see a clean sheet, but, um, it's too tough to call. I'm going to tell you that, uh, I'm not going to make a prediction for a scoreline or anything, but, uh. I want to see Benfica win, obviously. That is it for this week. I'm going to sign off here. Okay, um, Enjoy the match, everybody. Have a great week. Hopefully, at this time next week, we will be top of the table on our own still. Um, hopefully, six points ahead of Porto. Only time will tell. Enjoy the match. By the time you've heard this, you've probably already seen it. Carrega Benfica. Forza Benfica. Damu 38. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino saying see you next time, see you next week, Forza Benfica.